Well, things have happened, and we are here to discuss them. What a great intro. Welcome back to It's Always Sunny in South Philadelphia, episode number nine here in the second season. Like I said before, we have a lot to cover because a lot has happened in the world of Philly baseball. But before we begin, I have a little bit of housekeeping, a little bit of podcast work or specific to us, that I need to take care of first. Number one, you look outside, you see that the temperature is getting warmer, the sun is shining, there's green grass everywhere, yes, it is summertime. And unfortunately, I'm here to tell you that uh, for me, summer is very busy, and I'm not going to have a schedule for this. This is just going to be something that I'm going to get to when I have the time. You're lucky uh, to get one out here right on a Monday. This is what I plan on. This is a, if everything goes to plan, if I have nothing going on, it's going to podcasts are going to be on Mondays. That's what I'm going to aim for. Uh, I guess summer two, no school, so I might have the ability to stream Phillies games more. Uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, so I have I'm. I'm very busy, for example, I, uh, I'm going somewhere over the weekend for Father's Day weekend with my dad, so there will be something on Wednesday for next week, and then, uh, I think it's normal after that, oh yeah, so yeah, it'll be normal, because I have an online class, so that should be normal, it's just going to be very late, and then we'll see if I have one the week after. So that's that's what we're looking for for right now. Is that this is going to be the first normal episode in a while. Number two, you might be staring at whatever I'm wearing and saying, "What in the world is that?" So very recently, I've decided to launch merchandise. Uh, here you go. This is uh, this is a white shirt. But uh, yeah, so I've launched a. Uh, I'll back up a bit so that you can see it. Well, sorry, there goes my backdrop. So, I have launched a merchandise store. I'll put it in uh, the description of the, uh, of the episode. But you can find it on the website, too, iassp.weebly.com. There should be a new link to the merchandise store. Uh, but yes, so merchandise is up. There are two different designs that you can order from uh, shirts and sweatshirts for right now. I know there's not a lot of options, and I'm very sorry for that. And I know that some are more than expensive than others, and I'm truly sorry with that. I tried to make them at the price as cheap as possible, but, I mean, obviously, there are limits to what I can do, so. And if you want to blame someone, blame uh, the organization that put it together, but they actually did really well with the screen printing, so I'm not complaining. Number three. I was away very recently, so that's why I haven't, or I was away this past week, and then before that, I had final exams for freshman year. So, yay, I'm done with first year of high school. It's amazing. But I haven't... So that's why I've been gone for a while, and I haven't posted an episode in a long time. But I looked back on the statistics for... Or the analytics for our podcast, and I saw that over the past week, from June 1st to June 7th, we have reached the highest amount of viewers per week in 
the pot in podcast history. Which, thank you so much for the continued support. I find it so funny that the views are up while I'm gone and I haven't posted for many weeks, so I find that hilarious. But I also saw when I saw when I looked back, there was just one day that had like forty different views. And I know you're saying that's not a lot, but that's a lot for our that's a lot for our small podcast here. What I found interesting was that each vi- each episode from the beginning, from season one, was watched twice. Someone went through and watched every single episode. If you ever do that, you are you are the top of the food chain here. You are part of the upper echelon. If if you just say something, if you just comment like, "Hey, I'm blank," or "I'm name," and I watch everything from the beginning keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get shouted out. You're going to be like one of the core founding members that I will look back on from this time. So thank you so much for that. Whoever anonymously watched the whole the whole two seasons so far, thank you so much. It means so much to me that people actually went back to season one and listened to season one. I don't even do that. But now it's all taken care of. Now we took care of that in like five minutes. Good God, that was a long, that was a long introduction. We could finally get in to the major events. So we have to cover three weeks of three weeks of Phillies baseball, and I'm not going to go through game by game for this. Uh, obviously, everybody should know the elephant in the room. If not, I'm just going to address it right now. Joe Girardi is gone. We got rid of Joe Girardi. Thank the good Lord. So many mismanagements. Let's start off with the past few weeks. I have a few questions that I wrote down here. <clears throat> Why was Reese Hoskins hitting leadoff? This is, a vi- this is a question that I had for a while. I think I talked about this on the last one too. Reese Hoskins is a three true outcomes hitter. Home runs, strikeouts, walks. He's also tall. Very tall. That probably contributes to it. But... You can't just because just because people in the leadoff hole are struggling, and I know that change needs to be done. That change needs to change. And I know that Girardi was also on the hot seat, and he needed to frantically run around trying to trying to look for things to do to change his team. That doesn't mean you put someone who is basically a cleanup hitter in the leadoff spot. You know, JT Realmuto would have made a better leadoff hitter than Reese Hoskins. I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not trying to offend Reese. I'm saying that he's a cleanup hitter and like a five hitter. He's has a different role on the team than getting contact and getting on base. He's not that guy. He's he's our power hitter. He had more home runs last year than Bryce did before he got injured. Which would have completely derailed Harper's uh, MVP case, by the way. Yeah, so Reese was hitting leadoff. That was a question that needed to be had. JT probably would have been a better leadoff hitter. They finally went back to Kyle Schwarber recently, which I liked more. And Schwarber has actually done really well contact-wise and actually he's been hitting a ton of home runs. So at least that's fixed. Thanks, Rob Thompson. Number two, why aren't the kids playing? It seemed that Girardi was limiting the amount of times the youth were playing, and I get it. I get it that we are that we have expectations this year. The Phillies don't actually have expectations. 
we put the expectations on them to make the playoffs. And usually that means playing your veteran players. I get that. However, when I look at someone like Bryson Stott, who didn't have the best, the best start to the year, the only way he's going to improve is if he gets playing time. You can't expect Bryson Stott's average to raise if he's on the bench playing behind Johan Camargo. Again, nothing against Camargo, but I think Bryson Stott should have been getting extra playing time. Again, another thing that has been resolved. Also, Mickey Moniak has, came, has come back, finally. Very good to have Moniak back, and yet even with him back, they're still having, like, Odubel Herrera and Roman Quinn play center field. Now, Roman Quinn is gone. Yes, Roman Quinn got cut, or he went to AAA. He, I think he passed the waivers and then just decided that he's not going to be playing in our minor league system. So he left free agency. He signed a minor league deal with the Royals. So, sorry, or... Feel bad he's gone. He's a really good speed guy. He's a perfect like, defensive center fielder for us. But now another opportunity for Moniak to play more. And also we got Matt Vierling back as well. So that that platoon that we would have had out of spring training, we can actually have that now. And also we added Odubo Herrera. A ton of bullpen misusage as well while we were in that pit of despair against the Mets and Braves and Padres and Dodgers and who else we put and the Giants. But um, things that I noticed, Brad Hand, uh, there are a few times where Brad Hand was pitching really early in the game, like he came in in the sixth. Brad Hand is one of our better pitchers. Again, I like to think that there are two tiers of Phillies bullpen pitchers. There's tier one, which is the actual like veteran guys that can actually pitch a solid 7th or 8th inning that I can give the ball to in the 8th inning. Corey Knable, I obviously, is in this category, even though he pitches the ninth. Just get on with it. Familia, I'm putting Brad Hand in this category. Sir Anthony has done well enough to, earn, to get in this category. Jose Alvarado is in this category. We'll get to him later. Because something worse happened to Alvarado. And then there's Tier 2, where you have guy... I mean, Nick Nelson, I guess, is the one that's the highest of the Tier 2. But guys, that's where Andrew Bellotti and James Norwood are. In that, like, I'm not putting them in in the 8th inning, but they're going to get innings. Right? But Brad Hand was pitching the 6th inning. We also have, like, James Norwood pitching the 8th in this scenario. Like, I, I know that, like, Brad Hand is a lefty. He's only one of our only lefties, and he's probably the, the closest thing to a specialty pitcher for us. But James Norwood is the guy that you have in the 6th and 7th inning to set up guys like Brad Hand. I also think it's hilarious that James Norwood pitches two innings, yet Connor Brogdon only pitches one or barely even one each time. I think Connor Brogdon was a failed starter. It is a perfectly good reliever. Why aren't we giving Brogdon a Nick Nelson size size workload with the two and three innings? I think Brogdon would be that long relief guy. And if you thought Brad Hand in the sixth inning was bad, Jose Alvarado just got booted to triple A. Now thank God he's back after making that decision. But look, 
When Alvarado was on the Tampa Bay Rays before he came to the Phillies, like when I looked at that sign for the first time, Alvarado was one of like the best pitchers available, and I was very happy we got Alvarado. Now I admit that Alvarado has had some control issues. Gets a little wild. He throws a ton of wild pitches. Throws a ton of sinkers in the dirt. I get that. He's not worse than James Norwood or Andrew Bellotti. He's still in that Tier 1 for me. Thank goodness he's back. I'm hoping AAA like, helped him out. I don't know what Girardi needed to do. But, again, I find it ironic. Or We're sending down Jose Alvarado, and we're not using this time to call up Dylan Maples. I'm, I don't know why. Or I know why I love Dylan Maples so much, and we haven't given him the opportunity yet. So I don't want to hear anything about bullpen misusage and sending guys down to AAA until we get Dylan Maples in the MLB. Right, I don't want to hear anything about like changes need to be done to the bullpen and we need to trade for guys. No, you have the answer. He's just a triple A and you don't want to use him. And I don't even think he's on the 40-man roster anyway. Now, of course, there are things that you can't control, like our star second baseman, Gene Segura, being out for 10 to 12 months. I mean, I'm still blaming on Girardi, though. He got... Segura injured his hand because he was trying to bunt. Now, in what world is Gene Segura bunting in the first place? That's the question I would ask. It seems like something that could be prevented, but I don't know. Now, the bad, the the lows of Girardi, you get the raging highs of his firing at Rob Thompson. Now, first off, I want to say this. I love what Rob Thompson has done. I love that pre- well, the presence or lack thereof that he has. I like that he's a bit hands-off and letting the young kids play. That's his goal. That's, that's his job as the interim manager. I would very much appreciate it if we kept Rob Thompson until the end of the season, competed but didn't make the playoffs, and that's where you get angry at me. And then, please, for the love of God, hire Matt Quattraro. Quattraro? Yes, Quattraro? Quattraro to be the manager. Quattraro is the Rays bench coach. He's like mid fifties. The look, the look of a of a Phillies manager with the insides of a nerd. Full on analytics need to be achieved, and I'd even go a step further and hire a Brewers guy for that baseball operations. But would love Quattraro in a way just because I love my analytics. But. Zach Wheeler got the pitcher of the month for May. We talked about this. He needed a bit of time to get his velocity back. And ever since, Wheeler has been his Cy Young self that, that we saw last year. So very nice to see Zach Wheeler got the pitcher of the month. The Vegas Twins, Harper and Stott, with very, very good starts to June. Five home runs each to start off that first, that first week during the winning streak. Bryson Stott, of course, with the huge walk-off home run. To come from behind to beat the Angels, Bryce. I mean, he's still a DH, still can't throw, but he's been he's been that spark plug in the lineup that we needed. The only thing that I'm, this isn't against Rob Thompson, and we talked about the is injured. The only thing that is a problem is that we have no one to play second base if Stott like is tired. We were we're so far down in the pit. We started Matt Vieira in at second base, and I mean that was really nice to see. Matt Vierley make the final play at second. I mean, it's just not... It's just... 
Sorry, am I going to be the one that has to end this end this fairy tale? It's not sustainable. This this isn't a kids fiction movie. We can't suspend our beliefs for for an hour and a half. Matt Matt Vero in the second base just isn't sustainable. I'm sorry. It would be different if he played at Notre Dame at second base like a little bit. It would be different if he played in the minors. It's just not sustainable, especially, especially because we might have a potential return of Scotty Jetpacks. He was put on the 40-man roster. That's right. We might have Kingery back, and that's a perfect person to have at second base. Also, a perfect platoon in center field if we need it. I think if Kingery just keeps working, if he can put together a few hits in AAA, I think we got him back, and he will take on his much-needed role. Also, something I realized, again, we talked about this with Bryson Stott in his walk-off home run. Uh, so we get apparently hit in the clutch now. Like, what happened? Like, we get it, like, I think it's just something with, like, the hands-off, more of a hands-off approach. If we were under Girardi, Josh Hader would have just went one, two, three on us. Now that Rob Thompson, Rob Thompson is our manager with his hands-off interim styles, we are able to put up runs on Hader. Literally something that nobody's been able to do since last July. We were able to... It was also like Matt V. Erling, too. Matt V. Erling. <laughs> Matt V. Erling with the go-ahead home run. Sorry, sorry, I'm not laughing at V. Erling. I'm just saying that of all people, we're getting rookies and not veterans. All right, fine. Not veterans. Newer, newer guys to get to hit off of the better bullpen arms. And now we can hit in the clutch. We're not... We're not oh, well, I'm... We're not overanalyzing. We're not. We're staying in the moment. We're staying. They're staying true to themselves, which I love more than anything. So now, after all this monstrosity, the Phillies are going to have the Marlins during the week. The nice Monday through Wednesday series at Citizens Bank Park. So I'm not going to go through the last three weeks of minor leagues. Just I'm just going to say that right now. And we've reached the end of the Major League portion, so now it's time to talk about the lower levels. I am not going through the entire system of the minor leagues. What I will say is I'm going to bring up three points. Number one, Andrew Painter finally got his call-up. It was a long time coming. He has been dominating at Clearwater the whole year, and now he's up at advance. He's with Jersey Shore. Now, here's the thing. Jersey Shore is absolutely stacked. This is the one super team that we that I have been hoping for for a long time in our minor league system. I mean, I mean, seeing one of the major leagues and make the playoffs is kind of cool, but minor leagues is also really fun as well. Seeing these guys in person for cheaper, for less money. Like, it, it's, like, basically, we saw what happened with the Blue Jays with, like, Vlad Guerrero and Bo Bichette coming up through the system. Now, I want you to imagine this. One of the best minor league rotations with Mick Abel, Andrew Painter, two no, first-round picks with Griff McGarry in that rotation. You have an outfielder stud prospect in Johan Rojas. Ethan Wilson is right behind him. He has a little bit of a cold streak, but I think everybody does. You have Ethan Wilson and 
guys right behind him. Wow, sorry. And basically, that team in the future... Oh, yeah, you have Casey Martin as short as well. That's what I was going to say. Sorry for... Sorry for staring for a few seconds. I... Brain mental error. But having that core of a team, that's something that can give you promise. I mean, I know that the guys I named for the... For the hitters, aren't really the most powerful guys. But I think having that contact and having those, like, hyped-up prospects is going to bring a lot of attention, especially with that power pitching. Pure power pitching. I mean, imagine just Andrew Painter and Mick Abel on back-to-back nights. Oh my goodness, that's going to be absolutely terrifying for opposing teams. But I also wanted to say that I cut minor leagues short as well, because we are getting closer to the MLB draft. We are about a month away. Like what? Like yeah, actually a month away. Yeah, it's a th- it's the thirteenth, June thirteenth, as I'm recording this, and I think the draft is on the seventeenth of July, something like that. So with the few episodes remaining, I thought I'd give you a few college prospects to think about. I prefer drafted college players. They're much more. They're much more seasoned. They actually are a bit de- much more developed. It's not as much of a crapshoot as high school players are. The reason why you draft high school players is to is to save your pool money, your draft pool money, and save it for a different college kid. That's what I believe. That's how I use my drafted board. But. And that's how the Phillies use theirs, too. They're going to draft a high school in the first round. I'm going to be completely upset because they're going to draft another high school pitcher and hopefully get a good college kid in, in the second round. But let's suspend our beliefs in a second and just magically believe that the Phillies can do something smart and actually draft a college player in the first round. Now, imagine that. I picked a few from the number one team in the country. Now I know that they just got eliminated by Notre Dame in the Super Regionals, but they are still one of the best teams in recent memory. The number one team in the country, the Tennessee Volunteers, have a few absolute studs that could be picked in the first round. Number one, let's start off with Jordan Beck. Jordan Beck, a very fiery and fiery, fierce competitor. Now... Knowing Jordan Beck and knowing how he's made the news recently, you can determine whether or not his uh, competitiveness, is what I'll call it, his uh, competitiveness is good or bad. But he reminds me a lot of Hunter Renfro. Or the one player comparison that I've seen when I've looked at, when I've looked at reports about Jordan Beck is Hunter Renfro. Again, someone that I really would like to have on the team. Arm steel, well, his throwing arm out in the outfield, his speed and his power. Those are his three main pros. Those are really nice pros to have too. Now he's not playing center field because uh, of a different person that we'll name later. But a lot of scouts believe that he can have that potential. That he can actually take over center field. He's just in an un. He's just in a terrible situation. I don't really want to call it terrible because, I mean, number one team in the country, but it's just in, in an unfortunate scenario. I'll call it that. Uh, but the real con, though, the reason 
why Jordan Beck's on the fence. I mean, a lot of players struggle with this. This isn't just a Beck thing, but he's one of those players that struggled in the Cape League. He's one of those players that struggled with the wood bat at first with contact and power. I, that's something that that's something that can be easily changed. I mean, it just scares you away for like development reasons. Like I'm not like basically what that means is yeah, you can't really start Jordan Beck in Double A. That that's really all that means. Like you can't start him off early in your development. He still needs a bit of time, just like Ethan Wilson, who started off in Clearwater. Jordan Beck can do the same thing and be as per, as efficient. Now the guy that I was going to name the reason why Jordan Beck isn't in center field is because of Drew Gilbert, pure center fielder. With arm and speed and contact, he has that great first step that allows him to cover a lot of range out in center field. He's He's got contact for days. He, he kind of slaps the ball. That's that's what a lot of reports said out of that leadoff spot. Good leadoff hitter. That's something that we need. Again, an arm and speed. The only bad thing is consistent power, which, I mean, if we're elite, if we basically get this guy to be a leadoff hitter, that's not something I'm worried about. Basically something that Johan Rojas has, too. Or the same con that Johan Rojas has, and I really, I would really like another Johan Rojas, but he'd be a bit more developed. This is a guy that had certain double A. He actually pitched a little bit, too. He's a, he's a bit of a lefty pitcher. He maxed out at 93, so yeah, I don't think I'm going to be starting this guy on the mound. But the one guy that I look at when I see these is George Springer. I think we have a George Springer player comparison in Drew Gilbert. And finally, let's talk about a pitcher for a change. How about Blade Tidwell? Yes, apparently Blade is now a common name that we're seeing nowadays. Strong fastball and slider, those are his main two pitches, but he also has a changeup that he got a ton of swings and misses on. And he's got that curveball, too. It's a second breaking ball. The cons, I mean, you're going to see this with a lot of college pitchers, especially in this class. Uh, Tidwell's coming off a bit of an injury. He had a bit of shoulder soreness at the start of the year. He didn't need any surgery. It wasn't anything serious like what happened to Alabama's Connor Prelip or Arkansas's Peyton Paulette. But it's still a bit of a concern because he had he didn't he was basically limited in this past year. But he did get a few starts. He did get a start in the Super Regional game one. Uh, but when I look at his fastball and slider, and I look at his pitch mix. I look at a guy like Luis Castillo nowadays when he when it comes to Blade Tidwell. So those are the and those are the Tennessee College Draft prospects. Again, we're not going to get any of them unless they somehow fall to the second round, which I really don't think is going to happen, I think, at at like at the absolute worst for these players is that they get picked in the competitive balance round right in between the first and second rounds. So that is going, and that is going, oh wait, no, never mind, because we have one last thing to do before we can wrap things up, and that is name a Philly of the week, and you might look over here and say, well, why is... Why is the statue all the way in the back? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I personally made this, this travesty. And this is, yes, this is my fine artwork. And nobody cares. Because it, it looks absolutely terrible. And that I know that all of you are saying that. And yes, you can say that. Um, this sad, depressed man who looks like any Phillies fan ever, which is, the, which is what, why he was designed like this, 
This sad man is our now as our new Philly of the Week trophy. So you get this sad, depressed guy if you do good for a week. And hopefully you can turn that frown upside down. I I swear to god I did not write this. I'm I'm laughing as I'm saying this. But the Philly of the Week for this week goes to another Vegas player, just like Bryce Harper in the last one. Philly of the Week. And the first guy to receive sad man is Bryson Stott. Bryson Stott with five home runs, he was finally allowed to play. Like, actually get some decent playing time. He's done a really good job up, the, up in the middle infield. He's had a lot of home runs, and especially that walk-off homer against the Angels to come back and win in front of the hometown crowd and really energize the winning streak. So Bryson Stott wins this Philly of the Week. And that is going to do it. For episode number nine, I know it was very long. We're getting near the half an hour mark, which is long for us. But yeah, so I will see you guys, I think, on Wednesday. Uh, uh, if you look on social medias, just keep a look at the social medias there in the description if you haven't seen them before. But keep an eye out for any streams that could be happening recently. Probably not today, but we'll see about tomorrow. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. I will see you guys next week. And remember, now that Girardi's gone, we have seen the winning streak. We have experienced Rob Thompson, and we can finally say that it's always sunny in South Philadelphia. Take care, guys. I'll see you guys next week.